Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hour. And I'm excited because I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine that's coming on. But I do want to let you guys know, Pat had to work. He's tied up. You know how the Army life is. So he wasn't able to join us today. But again, I have a very special guest. It's my good friend, Catherine Reinhardt. She's uh, really big in the SEMA game. And I've known her for a lot of years. Dealt with her with a lot of great companies. And one of the companies she actually works for right now is the well-known four-wheel parts. So, Catherine, you want to say hello to everybody out there? Hi, guys. Super excited to talk to you today. Okay, well, let's. I guess let's jump into this. So, without, uh, without any delay, there are some questions that I know myself, as well as many, many, many people out there, are wondering. The nature of SEMA, with the show being canceled last year, and then this year being as hairy as it is and has been in the short amount of time it's been here. What are your thoughts on SEMA this year, the SEMA show? Well, I definitely think SEMA is doing everything in their power to produce another show. Um, I think that if, if you're asking me, if I had a crystal ball, um, I definitely think the SEMA show is going to happen this year. There are a ton of vaccinations that are going out right now. Uh, you know, people 65 and older, especially here in California, Orange County, we've already been rolling it out. LA is catching up. Um, isn't, isn't your husband giving those vaccines out if I, if I don't, <laughs> didn't I see that? Yeah, he, uh, he's, uh, working for one of the healthcare providers. So he definitely got vaccinated, which is awesome. Um, that only helps, uh, spread the word to get more people vaccinated. People shouldn't be afraid of it. It's definitely something that we're all going to have to have. Um, in order to travel, get on planes, go to hotels, uh, enter concerts, all that kind of good stuff. So I so, think you do have a crystal ball. <laughs> I mean, if you're saying all that, I mean, I, I kind of feel like you must have one because, I mean, personally, there's a lot of us out there that are a little skeptical with the with the vaccination only because, like myself, I don't go out and get the flu shot every year and I don't go out and get allergy shots. Some people, that's like a regular thing for them. So another vaccine is like, oh, it's another thing. Um, you know, the short amount of time that they've had this vaccine live, there has been a lot of negative repercussions behind it. You know, the Bell's palsy incident, uh, seizures, uh, even death in some some reported um, aspects. So, I mean, do you see SEMA not allowing attendees if they haven't been vaccinated? And how would they, how would they even manage that? You know what? Um, I think that's a huge question, and it's a great question, but I don't think SEMA has even attempted to figure out what that's going to look like. The requirements that they're going to look at are wherever um, the show is going to be held, if it's in Las Vegas, if it's at another place. We don't know what the rules and regulations are going to look like by state or even by county. So once we have that information, that's going to really determine where we're going to have it. Um, how many people are going to be able to get in, and then subsequently if someone's going to have to show uh, proof of immunization in order to get in the door. We don't know those answers yet. We're still just trying to figure out when we can even get back together again. Well, proof of immunization, that, that's kind of going to be kind of hard because I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago when uh, we had the security at the doors due to some <laughs> some other things, that didn't really work out too well with the the lines trying to get in the halls and things like that. So, I mean, I really don't, It'd be really hard to have to hold up a badge or an ID card or something along those lines through a security door before they'd even let you in. So, I mean, really, it's uh, it, that's a hard task for SEMA to try to have to, to manage. Well, it's something they could probably do in advance of the show before you even get your badge. There's a ton of different ways. Listen, the SEMA staff is super smart. They have one of the 
some of the best people on staff who have a lot of experience in trade show organization. They'll figure it out. If there's one thing I have confidence in, it's the senior staff. They'll get it so done one way or another. One thing that I've seen is a lot of places out there are allowing outdoor events rather than indoor events, which kind of helps. Like I don't know if it's the fresh air or the space that it provides or whatever, but I do know a big portion of SEMA is indoors. Well, I'm talking, when I say big people that don't know out there, that's millions of square feet of indoor, um, you know, booths and and companies and, and cars and, and people shoulder to shoulder for millions and millions of square feet. So um, at the end of the day, I know that they expanded the halls, you know what I mean? So um, how is that looking, by the way, from across the street from the standard SEMA, where some of the very, very first, you know, battle of the builders and the, you know, ignited and things took place. Um, how's that looking? Is that done? Is that, I mean, has COVID shut that down? Is it delayed? What's, what's the scoop on that? No, you know what the great news is, um, the West Hall, which is the new hall that uh, the city of Las Vegas have been uh, creating, uh, I think is almost done. And uh, because of COVID, uh, they actually had uh, a little bit of a speed up and it's really exciting. I'm actually gonna be in Vegas in a couple of weeks um, and I'm gonna go see the hall for the first time. And the great news is uh, the biggest issue SEMA has always had is not having enough space for everyone. Right. Um, in this particular year, there could be instances where they still have to widen the aisles because uh, we don't want people too close together. We may have to let you know an X amount of people into the show at one time. We don't know what that's gonna look like. It's all gonna depend on those regulations. But the good news is we definitely have a larger footprint uh, in the city of Las Vegas because of that West Hall. That's good. I mean, I'm glad to hear that that's kind of, kind of uh, something that's opening up anyways, because I know a lot of companies in the past have felt frustrations in regards to, let's say, um, you know, buying feature spaces or something like that and being yeah. shoved in the back of a building and rarely ever, ever seen. So, I mean, having that space additionally, I think will go a long ways. Um, well, and, and maybe that pushes all the truck guys over to the West Hall. I think that that's a great avenue. There's a lot of space, a lot of heights, you know, lifted trucks, lowered trucks. That could be maybe even the truck hall. I don't know. I'd love to absolutely. see that happen. Absolutely. I mean, and I don't, that's how SEMA all structures it. And I would love to, to help you guys out on the committees as well if there's ever a need for that, because obviously I'm well versed in, in both manufacturer and, and consumer sides of things. So, sure. um, you know, if you guys need my help, I'm, I'm always here. But um, so speaking of SEMA, you've been a, uh, a very big personality when it comes to SEMA for as long as I can remember. So when I very first got involved with SEMA, you were already doing big things. You were already on panels and committees and running for boards and all these different things. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about, you know, when was your first SEMA show? How did it go down and how much has it changed since that time? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I'm not going to date myself. I tell you which was my first SEMA show, but it was They're trying to age date ago. you here. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, um, I was actually living in Atlanta at the time. Um, that's where I grew up and spent 20 years of my life. And um, I went, uh, so one of my sponsors, uh, I was building cars in Atlanta, had told me you should really come to the SEMA show. And I thought, what is the SEMA show? Um, our big show in Atlanta was um, the Nopi Nationals. And oh, I'm man. really dating myself if people know what Nopi Nationals are. Um, but that's where it was at the Atlanta Motor Speedway track. And we took over the whole interior. And one of my sponsors said, go to SEMA this year. And I said, okay. So I got on a plane. I went to Vegas. And I remember just walking through the convention going, wait a Drooling. minute. Drooling. Yeah. <laughs> this is all one big show. And I kept walking up to people. And you're going to laugh at me. I walked up to people and go, let me get this straight. 
you are here working a booth and you get paid to talk to people about cars all day. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Dream so, job, right? <laughs> so that was November and December. Um, uh, so I went back to Atlanta in December. I remember telling my mom, Hey, listen, um, I'm going to move to California and I'm going to go get a job there and uh, I'm going to work in the automotive industry. And you know, most parents, they kind of look at you and go, oh yeah, honey, that sounds great. And uh, I don't think she thought I was as serious as I was because I had recently bought a house. I put it up for sale, actually for rent. And I uh, broke up with my boyfriend. I quit my job and I rented a U-Haul and I literally drove across the country to California. And uh, Fuck, I got you went home. all in. You <laughs> I went all, all in. in. I thought, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back home. Um, but it worked out. And that was umpteen years ago. And uh, that was my first experience at the SEMA show. It was, it changed my life. It literally changed my life. So, I mean, you do a lot of volunteering, obviously. So when did you start getting into like Torah and like actually being a member of committees and running boards and things like that? I mean, because not just everybody can hop on that. You have to be... Yeah. In my, in my opinion, based off of what I've known is you have to be pretty connected. So um, you have to be a voice that people know and trust. And you, you, you have to have a good network of people that, um, you know, obviously you and I have spoke so much over the years and it's like, hey, what'd you hear about this? And what'd you hear about that? Can you do this for me? Can like, and we've helped each other out for so many years. Um, how did you originally get into that? Great question. Um, so one of the SEMA shows I went to, um, I can't even remember who it was, but somebody pulled me by the arm and said, let's go to this uh, YEN uh, reception. And YEN stands for the Young Executives Network. So basically, it's uh, at the time, it was anybody really under the age of 35. Uh, because as you know- You're still in that, right? You're still, you're still there, right? <laughs> well, they raised the limit to 40 a few years ago. So it's funny if people got like a letter saying you're out, but then you're back in. Um, so I'm still in. Um, but what's really cool about it is I went to this mixer and there were so many people in this room and this guy comes up to me and you'll, you're, you and your fans will love this story. This guy comes up to me and he says, um, and he's looking and, and I can't, I, he's looking at my crotch and I'm like, why is this guy looking at my crotch? Uh -oh. This is really weird. And I'm like, what kind of room am I in? And, uh, he grabs me by the arm and he says, I need you to meet this guy. His name is John Gallagher. And my, my, um, my maiden name is Gallagher. And my, um, my tag to get into the show was actually attached to, uh, to my hip. hip. Yeah. And so he was really just reading my badge, but it was like really an awkward moment. And so I meet this guy who's also got the same last name and he and I ended up becoming fast friends. And the big joke was if we ever get married, I'd never have to change my name. And this just sounded great, but, uh, we didn't work out. It was no big deal, but he worked for, uh, a t um, he worked for Prime Media at the time. And if anybody knows how far back, Prime Media, McMullen Argus, uh, uh, 10, Discovery, Motor Trend, yep. whatever they're called this week. Um, yeah, right. It was, a, it was a great introduction to somebody in the media. And from there, I just learned about more and more mixers. And uh, my first volunteering experience was actually at the SEMA Pinewood Derby races uh, back in Long Beach, uh, California, way back in the day. And I went to this event. And I just thought, wait a minute, all of you guys are just doing this out of the goodness of your heart and to give back to the industry and promote your companies and find a way to help out others. I went, this is awesome. What do I have to do? And um, that was really my entrance into the volunteerism. So were you working with Magnaflow at the time or was it a different company no, or who was it? I was, I was actually working with Go Rhino at the time. So, nice. uh, you know, exterior truck manufacturer uh, accessories and uh, they allowed me to go to it and they said, go represent us. And I thought, 
okay, I'll give it a whirl. And uh, that's how I learned about LTAA uh, from, you know, uh, now Tora. Now Tora. But um, they were all about truck accessories. And Melanie White from Helwig um, was the incoming chair-elect. And George Lathoris, who's now at Warren, uh, was the... Um, uh, was the chair and they said come on in and uh i had to run for the council it was uh, a little tough because i didn't know what i was doing i was like raising my hand going yeah i'll volunteer and then um of course i couldn't help myself but speak up a lot on all the calls and then next thing you know you get voluntold to do things and now you're uh intricately uh, a part of it and you can't take it back so yeah uh, you know volunteering is is huge it's something that a lot of people don't realize the power of it and Really, if you're doing it right, um, you're getting out of it much more than you can ever give because you're learning and meeting people and connecting. People. That's a big thing. I mean, if yeah. you if you have a, a good connection of a good network, industry peers and, and people like that, I mean, obviously, it's going to help you skyrocket to where you want to go a lot quicker than if you were just trying to do it by yourself. So that's uh, that's one thing that I think that people probably should start jumping on the, uh, you know, train with is to try to get out there and volunteer because then you meet a lot of people that you need to know. Yeah. And Chris, you mentioned it earlier, you know, get on a task force, raise your hand and go, Hey, I would love to help you guys with that. That's my specialty. Um, I think there's a, a great way to get a lot of people involved and you don't have to devote a lot of time. Just, you know, maybe it's an hour a month. Maybe it's, um, you know, getting on you know four calls a year, whatever it takes, but there's a, a great way to really connect with other people and give back. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we spoke briefly a little bit about Magnaflow, and I know that's where I originally met you at where, when you were one of the main marketing people for Magnaflow. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what are your thoughts on Magnaflow and like how they strategize their marketing and, you know, have a couple other questions once you explain <laughs> that. But I mean, I, I definitely want to know, you know, it was, it was a pretty, you were there for a long time. So, yeah. uh, I mean, that was a great company. That's where we met. We did a lot of work together back in the day. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your your stint with Magnaflow. You know, I left Go Rhino and I went to Magnaflow. And originally they had offered me the job and I said no. Wow. <laughs> who, says, who says no to Magnaflow? Um, but there were some great people over there like Darren Schubin. Um, you know, Robert Woodyzak was over there. There were some really awesome people that um, they were building a, a, a dream team. And I thought to myself, man, you know, I got to take advantage of this opportunity. So I went and um, I rose through the ranks of Magnaflow, their family-owned business. The original owner still comes into the office every day. Um, and his uh, son and his daughter and his nephew were all working at the helm. And um, I really showed them what I could do. And they uh, valued that and gave uh, and trusted me and rewarded us. Um, they were a great company to work for. And their marketing strategy is interesting. Um, they utilize a lot of celebrities and ambassadors to really tell the story of Magnaflow from an authentic way. Some of them got paid, some of them used, uh, or all of them used the product, but they, they talked about it in a way that, hey, I won championships this way, or uh, I love the sound of it, or it gave me more power than another exhaust manufacturer. They were really brilliant in the way that they marketed that brand. And let me tell you, I've worked for a lot of manufacturers and, um, you know, everybody has a different size budget that they devote to marketing. And Magnaflow really believed in marketing. And that's a hard thing for a lot of CEOs to uh, willingly give up money to promote a brand. And wow, they really had no problem giving up those products. I mean, I, I've, I've noticed just in my stint, because I have a very good relationship with the consumers and the manufacturers, I've noticed that the manufacturers that are, you know, 
a little bit more willing to open up the pocketbook when it comes to the marketing side of things. They typically do a lot better, especially being a brand that people flock to because it's, you know, it kind of opens up the floodgates for everybody to kind of know and trust that manufacturer. And with that, I mean, it kind of just, it promotes and brands them in a way that they're the it company that everybody needs to work with. So at the end of the day, I feel like that's something that not a lot of people are too open to these days. But now I think that people are starting to realize, hey, you know, to to make money, we got to spend money, right? So everybody's heard that saying, you know, to make it, you got to spend it. And I think companies now, especially in the digital marketing age, I think that they're starting to realize like there's a lot of of power to marketing to the people digitally and spending the money, getting the influencers and doing all those those things right, right? So not not a lot of people understand that, but there are a lot of companies that do. Yeah, you know, and what's really nice, um, and and when I was at MagnaFlow, we were really in that um, that switch, that digital switch from print to um, to online, and even in our uh, our go to market strategy, right, where we were selling to directly to consumers when I was leaving. Um, it was uh, such a big change and we had to really communicate with those consumers and let them know that uh, we had these products and we had uh, products that were going to fit their lifestyle, that were going to fit their application, that we're going to give them lifetime warranty. You know, that communication path is so important now. And if you don't, if you're not able to speak to consumers in a valuable way, then you're going to have a really hard time selling the product and placing it in the right hand. And that's one of the things I liked about Magnifo is that they could see those, uh, those changes occurring. And they listened to their employees. It wasn't just about, um, you know, somebody suggesting something. It's like, no, we had hard data. We had research. And they believed in us and they uh, trusted us to take that company in that direction. And uh, that's why they're so successful to this day. So now that uh, Prince kind of like a dead dinosaur, and I know that, you know, when we first started and doing everything that we were doing, like you said, there was 10 and it was named several different names at the time. Um but there were we pretty much relied on magazines to kind of get us through. And now that the age and the era that we're in is all digital and social marketing and things like that, influencers. And, you know, how have you at Four Wheel Parts now switched mm-hmm. up your strategies to kind of, I guess, not only comprehend what everything is needed and necessary for today's, I guess, um, involvement with marketing, but you know, what have you learned and what have you found to work the best? Oh, great question. Um, it sounds like you're asking for the secret sauce. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are some people out there that probably want to know Catherine's formula. So, I mean, without you saying every little detail, <laughs> give the people what they want to hear. Let, let us let us know some of your your knowledge. Let them soak it all in. Well, I think you already said it. Give the people what they want to hear. I mean, I don't want to just tell a story about floral parts. Uh, that is just uh, un, uh, unexciting. Um, it's not educational. I, my three my three things I always say is it's got to be uh, educational, it's got to be entertaining, and it's got to engage them in some way. So those are my three E's, right? That's right. what we're looking for in any kind of content that we're going to create, anything that we're going to post, the way we post it, our, our website. Number one, if you don't have a website that allows people to easily navigate and find the things that they want and add them to cart, then that's your biggest number one issue. Now, we can do all the social media advertising to grab somebody and pull them in, but if we can't convert them, then this is all for nothing. So right. I, I think that, you know, at, at Four Parts, one of the, uh, uh, you know, 
a lot of people don't realize that they were purchased by Polaris a couple of years ago, and that's a huge entity. Um, they've got uh, the Indian brand of motorcycles. They've got pontoon boats. They've got uh, the razors. They've got so many different other entities, and we've got some rock stars on the team that allow us to really think about some cool ideas to grab those consumers. But the reality is you got to use the tools that are out there, and you got to figure out ways to connect with your consumers and give the people what they want to hear. So speaking of that, I know that you are, you have a very, very big presence in pairing with influencers and, and I say team members that kind of, essentially they matter. They're the ones that are out there uh, promoting and marketing the brand even further than what you guys do with your ads and all those other things. Because everybody knows to do business, you have to advertise, you have to promote, you have to market, you have to do all these different things. But one of the things that we've, we've seen and we've witnessed recently is the need for influencers to go out there and live, breathe, eat, and market the hell out of your business. So speaking of that, I've got a couple of questions. A, you know, you guys do a good job at it, but, um, you know, how important do you feel that, that influencers are on marketing? And then B, what are some of the coolest celebrities? I don't care if it's Forward Parts, Magnaflow, whatever. What is your like fangirl moment of <laughs> of celebrity? Give me your top three celebrities that you've kind of went, oh my God, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm dealing with this person. Oh gosh. Um, well, hold on. The first question. Um, wait, what was your first question? The, the, <laughs> you oh, now, I got you blustered. I got her. Guys, she's all red. If you're not watching oh. this, you're listening and she is bright red right now. So, okay. The first one was the influencers, the importance yeah, yeah. of getting good brand ambassadors out there to kind of go out there and do your bidding for you. So what what is the importance of that? And how much would you stress that to businesses who don't necessarily have a strong emphasis on influencer marketing? Yeah, you know what? I think uh, influencer marketing has really become popular in the last few years. Um, I, I, I think you could say that a couple of years ago and people go, what's an influencer? Right. Um, it's changed, right? And I think that it's really exciting time. What I like about it is it allows the everyday person who uh, is pretty crafty with their social media, understands how to unbox an item, talk about it, and how it directly relates into their life in a way that is... Um, authentic to their audience that people are listening and they subsequently want to purchase them. I think right. ambassadors are awesome. And if there are really good, authentic people out there with a good reach and can talk about a product um, in, a, in a way that people will want to replicate, those people are gold. And you don't even have to talk, you know, talk about like 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 million uh, followers. That's not, the number isn't so important as the content that they can create for you. And uh, specifically at Floral Parts, we found some really great guys. I found this guy who uh, does a lot of overlanding, and he uh, really did the um, uh, he did a trail ride from from it was like 400 miles, and he just took really good shots and had a drone and spoke about the product in such a real way that made him more valuable than maybe somebody that had a hundred thousand followers. So, so timeout, guys. It, it's not all about who has the most money and who has the most followers. Sometimes what these manufacturers are looking for, just so you know, and I already know, and, and Catherine will agree, I'm sure, it's the lifestyle aspect of these products, using it in your day-to-day -day and just kind of showing other people, you know, how you use it is sometimes just as valuable as what they're paying and scripting out and, and doing, you know, 
at a big level, um, productions and things like that. That's all great. But sometimes real life, um, you know, people out there doing lifestyle shots and, and actually like living and using the products are, are it's real, right? It's raw. It's, it's unscripted. It's, it's testimonials from real life people. And that right there is just as important as a testimonial from a celebrity who got it, used it once and tossed it in the garage. Right. So, um, I'm not saying they all do that. So please don't come after me, but I mean, absolutely. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know what, Chris, um, and you personally have brought me some awesome uh, influencers, people with not a lot of following, but they had authentic content. These guys live and breathe their truck. They go off road. Um, they take it to construction sites. Uh, it's their daily driver, but it's also their baby. And they have real life situations where, hey, I needed to uh, tow my trailer and who makes the best tow products out there. And you are the one that really connects those people with those brands and those product lines. And I think that's what is so exciting is when you bring those people to manufacturers like us, like Boro Parts, we're looking for those people to talk about the product. We don't give them scripts. I don't want you to read a piece of paper. That doesn't do me any good. Talk about the product, how it relates to you. And if you have a small following, hey, maybe that gains you know, some more traction for you. And that's great. And maybe we share it on our, um, on our social media in order to grab some more followers for you. But authentic content, that's where it's at. Authentic and organic content is key. And I mean, I'm, I love the fact that I'm able to assist in the growth and longevity of businesses. And that's why, like with me, it's, it's, it's passion over everything. And that's how I've always been. If you'll talk to any of my influencer partners that I've ever worked with, I assure you, they'll tell you that I'm passionate. That's probably one thing that they will all consistently say is my passion for the industry and ensuring the longevity and, and thriving of all the businesses that I'm, and it, it's crazy because in my position, it's oftentimes, it's it's really hard for somebody to go and work with two competing manufacturers and then both be happy. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to do that for so long that I can work with you guys, but then I can go to work with companies that are competition to you guys, and I can still make you both happy and make you guys both enjoy dealing with me just on different type of levels and facets by how I, how I construct our business together. So, um, I mean, that's, that's a unique way of doing it. Not everybody is able to kind of write that formula, but I've found that. And like you said, I don't want to give the secret sauce, but, um, at the end of the day, I love what I do. And I love working with companies like you guys. And you're saying, Hey, Chris, you know, I've got this brand new product. I need to get it out like ASAP. What do you have for me? Can you get it on something? Can you get me shots of it? And I mean, it's just constantly, um, that's how it's working out. So, I mean, I love that. And I know that there's other people out there too. You get to work with some really fun people. And again, and you're not dodging this question. I want your top three celebrities that you, as Catherine, kind of fangirl over over the years. Give me three. Gosh, that's so tough. Because, you know, in my positions, I I've worked with some really awesome people. Um, I, you know, I'm going to get a, give a shout out to my girl, uh, Leah Pruitt. She is awesome. She is so intelligent, um, when it comes to, uh, you know, her vehicles, uh, her interior knowledge of, of motors and drivetrains. So she's, uh, a NHRA drag racer, uh, one of the few women that get to compete at the uh, top fuel level. And, uh, she was so easy to work with and, um, she's just 
she lights up when you put a camera in front of her and that's uh, to any manufacturer gold. So I really love some Leah. So your fangirl moment was a girl. That was number one. But yeah. hey, shout, shout out to the women out there in a man-dominated industry, which you are one of those women that are in the male-dominated industries. But I mean, shout out to the girls out there that can run with the boys. So Leah, hats off to you, girl. Um, you know, another good one, um, and this was a personal favorite for me. Um, I was a big NASCAR fan. Uh, I was in even like a NASCAR pool. Um, and one of the guys that I really enjoyed watching was Joey, Joey Logano. And um, we didn't have him on the roster at MagnaFlow, and I had to really go and seek him out. And uh, I did. I had a really good relationship with his manager, Warren, and uh, we had a lot of conversations. And uh, that was one of the people I brought to the MagnaFlow table. And he's still a MagnaFlow person. He does a great job. You know, he won a championship a couple years ago. And uh, just to see his growth, uh, to see him uh, create a family and really become are a top you, Are you big player. into NASCAR, Catherine? Are you like I one of the NASCAR. NASCAR girls? I love every competitive sport possible. I love football. I love, uh, I, I love you know, NASCAR. I love, you know, straight track, circle track. Drag Who's racing. your football team? Let's hear it. So because I spent 20 years in Atlanta, it's definitely the Atlanta Falcons. This was not our year, but I'm a big Matt Ryan fan, a big Michael Vick fan. Trust me, about not your year, I feel you. (laughs) The poor Bengals. (laughs) Oh, man, I I wanted one thing out of this season, and that was to protect Joe Burrow. And that did not happen. That did not happen. And, like, the dude is a stud. I don't think I've ever been more confident in the – abilities of a Bengals quarterback and just the mentality the dude's got the swagger of Patrick Mahomes and for me Patrick Mahomes if you know anything about the NFL Patrick Mahomes is the truth that guy is the man and I feel like Joe Burrow is is you know and and people are going to crucify me for this but I feel like Joe Burrow's gonna be on that level and you know if we can keep him upright I think in the next three to five years the Bengals really have that guy and I know Matt Ryan doesn't get enough credit because it's not his fault that you guys lose. I I can't even yeah. I can't even imagine how that man feels putting up 40 points a game and losing week after week after yeah. week and just fucking heartbreak losses. I mean, listen, and don't you dare bring up the Super Bowl a few years ago. That was a hard hard day for me. I remember going into the Magnaflow office the, the Monday and I had people come up to me and I was like, "Uh-uh. Nope. Don't even bring it up." Anytime you play Tom Brady, you can expect disaster. God, you know, you, you almost, you have to hate a winner just because he's so good, but you also have to appreciate him because he's just so good. He's the and goat. He makes me so mad. He's the goat. Hands off. He's the, he's, he's, he's the, he's the goat. I don't, I don't care what you say. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not a, I'm not a Tampa Bay fan, but when it comes to iconic quarterbacks and even I would say the guy was drafted in the sixth round. And he's got seven Super Bowl rings. I mean, yeah. it's it's athletic-wise, period. I mean, you think of Michael Jordan. He's up there in the conversation with the king. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. He's up, he's up there with those type of athletes. So, I mean, that's crazy to, to even consider that, you know, Tom Brady's 43 years old, and he's in the NFC Championship game against, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and that's – it's going to be a hell of a game. It's it's up in Green Bay, and it's rare that Aaron Rodgers loses, but you can never, ever, ever count out the playoff experience. 36 wins, I think it is, from, from Tom Brady in the playoffs. That's just – that's insane. Yeah. 
it's it's wild to think of. But so the last one, the all-time celeb on this list, the one that you know you just would like to just put in your pocket and take with you everywhere you go. Who is it? Um, you know, another great one, and I think it doesn't matter uh, what generation you are or what type of racing you enjoyed, but uh, Mario Andretti. Um, he is the softest, nicest guy. Um, he was so great to work with. He was very professional, always showed up on time. He always had the Magnaflow gear on. He was so personable with all of his fans. Um, he was very Iconic sweet. name. It's an iconic yeah. name. Everybody's heard of Mario Andretti. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and he was just, he was great. And, um, you know, even his staff that he works with, I will tell you, sometimes you have celebrities that ask for the moon. Like, they want limos, and they uh, want a, a separate room, and they need food and, and drinks. And uh, some of them are over the top. Mario's definitely not one of those guys, and his handlers will make it really easy to, uh, to discuss uh, appointments and time frames. And uh, he was just really, really good. And listen, we throw an event at Mario and go, listen, I know this isn't your cup of tea. Do you want to go to the power tour? And he's like, that sounds great. Would you guys, you know, like to do something at my winery? He was just so, so open-minded to anything and everything. By the way, do you know he has a winery up in Napa? I did not know that. He has his own brand of wine. And that's and not even far away. Everywhere he goes. <laughs> so, so have you ever had any trouble tracking down a celebrity? Like, is it something that like, because there's a lot of companies out there that, Obviously, you do got to pay to play, and sometimes you got to bring in the big influencers, which are yeah. celebrities. Um, has there any that have just been so elusive that you just ne you've wanted, but you've never been able to kind of get nailed down? Is there one that just who I see so that somebody that I wanted to get but I didn't get? Yeah, never listen to me. Damn. Nobody says no to me. <laughs> I will find a way in. A no is an opening to a negotiation. Okay. Um, if I wanted a, a, somebody on my on my team, I did everything I could to go get them. Um, but there were some celebrities that even I had on my roster, they became uh, difficult <laughs> to say it nicely. Um, sometimes you have to remember uh, that these people are paying your check, that they are bringing uh, you an opportunity to expand your uh, following. And so I will just remind some of those celebrities that, listen, work with those manufacturers because they are your saving grace. They are the people that are going to help you uh, anytime you need help. Um, so be nice to them and also their handlers. Be nice to the people that are coordinating. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anytime you can get you know, more people in your corner, obviously, the better it is going forward for anything that you do. So if you have an opportunity, um, oftentimes, if, if it's something that's worth it, um, obviously take it, but definitely don't ever just disregard something as a fat no from the start, because at the end of the day, um, you know, you never know what could come of it. Right. And, and you could go somewhere else that they may want, and then you're in charge and they already told you no. And at the end of the day, you're gonna be like, I remember when you told me no, and now you want me, it's a no from me dog. So, um, at the end of the day, just, just pay attention to little things. So again, I know earlier we mentioned that you are a female in a man's world. <laughs> and oftentimes that could be a very, very daunting and difficult task when it comes to dealing with a bunch of dudes. Has there, has there ever been an unpleasant experience that you've had working? And I, and I don't want you to get in trouble and I don't want, you, yeah, I see you getting flustered over Ooh. there, but um, has there ever been a position that you were put in um and you just were like, this is, this is not right. I, I'm not going to tolerate this. Cause you're a, 
I'm, I'm gonna say this and and don't take it disrespectfully but you're a bad bitch you know what i mean so you are a boss and i've worked with you for a lot of years and trust me when i say guys this is not a broad that you want to tango with whenever it comes to being on the shit list so um you know it's it's definitely better to to have Catherine in your corner than to not so um yeah give me some unpleasant experiences that you've had um, it could be a working place, you know, a position that you've had. It could be a relationship that just was terrible and it started off well, but then it ended sour. You, you know, give us, I mean, for all the women out there who aspire to be maybe not in your shoes, but even just climbing the ladder, being in the ranks and being out there involved in a dominated space by men. You know, God, I have, uh, I hate to say this, but I have quite a few, but uh, one of the things I will mention is being a female in this male-dominated industry, um, I chose this industry, and I chose it because I knew it was going to be a struggle and a challenge. But I also want to say that being a female also has a lot of extreme advantages. Um, I can walk into a room, and at the end of the evening, people are going to remember me because I was one of the few females in the room. But also, uh, there's an opportunity to really reach out to um, more women. And one of the things I've always tried to do is, uh, if you will, create a, a girl gang. Uh, I've tried to bring as many women together. We have uh, group chats. We have happy hour meetups. Uh, we have a lot of conversations together. And um, I think that's important to really have uh, a network of people that are going to support you. And, and your network of girls are bosses too. You know, you got Melanie and Erica and all these other females that I know and respect in, in this space and that I've dealt with a lot over the years. They're all hats off to them because they, they don't put up with shit, but they get shit done. And like I said, I mean, I've never, never even considered losing respect for any of the girls that are in your little girl clique. So at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's crazy because, I mean, you guys, it's not that you say, hey, demand respect, I'm a woman. It's like, hey, I'm doing my job, and you don't even think that I'm a woman. You know what I mean? That's that's where you want to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, we, we've got some CEOs. We've got some directors. We've got some women that have been in the industry a long time. We've got women that are fourth generation from their own family business. Um, we're, we want to look at this opportunity uh, within SEMA, within our businesses, within the industry, it's not because we're women is, is why we're getting it done. That just happens to be something that uh, is our, our DNA. But the reality is we're, we want to succeed because we're going to support each other. And right. that's in, uh, there's a quote I'm trying to remember where um, be in a room where uh, women want to support other women and give them the opportunities because they're the best people at that job. And I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, oh, I have a job position open um, uh, at some, you know, big manufacturer or even a big you know, wholesale distributor. I just had one just yesterday and I uh, had a guy ask me if there was somebody that I knew. And I said, you know what? I do. And it happened to be a woman because uh, she's somebody that I super admire and has an opportunity to uh, change her life. And, you know, I think about those women that are inter uh, interested in entering the industry even if it's at a, a, an entry level or even if it's just building your car, right? Don't ever look at this as an opportunity uh, that you can't succeed because you're a woman. In fact, this is an advantage because uh, more than likely people are going to remember you, remember your vehicle and remember what you bring to the table. So I think that uh, women have to look at it from that perspective. And if you can be positive about your entry into the industry, 
and, and you work hard, right? Everybody needs to work hard. Maybe women have to work a little bit harder, but uh, it's totally worth it. So Every two things, two, two things here. So number one, do you think when a woman who is in the space and she fucks up, do you think that it hurts more women without people think like a second nature type of thing? Like, no, do you think, no, no, that's on her. That's individual people. I, I, I don't think that that's um, something that you hold against all women. No. I, and, if, and if you think like that, then uh, then that's going to be a lot tougher hill to climb for you. So, OK, so what do you think? So obviously, I mean, I've always had great relationships with females in the industry like you, you know, doing business together and whatnot and um, all those things. But there are women out there who I feel like are on the the girl power kick a little too much. And do you think and, and, and I'm not saying that from a from a man's perspective, because like I said, I I deal with a lot of women in this industry being marketing directors and heads like you that are that are bosses in their jobs and you know what they say goes you know and when they put their foot down guess what that's the end of it so um it's not about that but do you do you honestly think that there are girls out there who are i've seen it and so that's one thing that i've seen and i kind of want to get your take on it because i've seen girls push that agenda the girl power girl power girl power but then something that they do that should be like equality between men and women. It kind of goes out the window when it doesn't favor them, if that makes sense. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, there's an event at SEMA called the gear up girl event that's sponsored by the SEMA business women's network. And, uh, it's a girl only event. Like men are not even allowed in the room. Um, and I, I think there's some power in that because it gives some of the women, uh, a comfort zone for them to be able to speak openly. And some of the women that are in that room are uh, people that are in community colleges. Um, I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, but SEMA actually buses in, uh, I say bus, but airplanes buses, uh, a whole bunch of students into the show on Monday. And they get to go to the SEMA launch pad, which is kind of like the Shark Tank event for uh, for young executives. And uh, subsequently, those women get to go to this Gear Up event. And uh, it is so nice to see women who are trying to become engineers or maybe they're going to go into the collision business. Um, having them in that room is really neat. And I think there's opportunities to network with women and promote each other, but that shouldn't be the only reason someone gets a job is because you're a woman or gets the promotion because you're female. I think that there's a lot of great men out there that I work with. I mean, honestly, in Floral Park, there's only a couple of us women over there. Um, and that's just because of the people that were the most qualified for the job. If there's other women out there that I can bring on board because they're qualified all day long, but that's not what I'm seeking. I'm not just looking for women that are going to be in those. Positions. So do you like, so we just had a guest on the show, the last episode, her name was Chloe. Um, she's actually a diesel mechanic. Awesome. You know what I mean? So she chose that they had her first not doing uh, any type of like manual labor. They had her doing, they wanted her to kind of be a counter girl type of a thing. Cause she was a female and she's like, this is not where I I'm happy. This is not where I want to be, please. I want to be a diesel mechanic, put me there, whatever. But also um, I asked her the question and you're another female that I would like to get kind of a female perspective on is, do you think that it's easier for a female, like on social media in today's world to essentially get more because i mean let's face it you guys are better to look at at the end of the day so um do you think it's easier for a female to to gain the the followers being there's a bunch of thirsty horny young dudes out there that are 
trying to, you know what I mean? Like it, I see that a lot. All right. I'm going to give you a scenario. Um, first of all, I, I love that Chloe wants to become a diesel mechanic and I want to say something so important. Um, and this is going to change your life uh, going forward, no matter what industry and in, whatever you want to do. If you know what you want and know how to ask for it, those are the two things that you can be successful at. And that's hard. Some people don't know what they want yet, but if you don't know how to ask for it, you're never going to get never it. Never going to get it. Chloe said, I want this. And she knew what she wanted. That's success right there. But to answer your question, um, are there women out there that can gain more followers uh, if they are posting content that is going to attract people? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, are you talking uh, about that TNA effect? You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's so listen, I'm a female and I'm on social media and I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers and right. that's probably because my content mm -hmm. isn't going to be uh, attractive to a wide demographic. You know, I've got pictures of kids, I've got pictures of cars and I've got pictures of me doing my thing. Um, right. That's not super attractive. And if there's women out there that want to post that kind of content because it's going to get those kind of followers, then have fun to you. Do it. Do your thing. I mean, but, there, there, um, there's all types of people. Your, your, your birthday cakes and, and board meetings and they're more boobies and whatever else but at the same time they can still you know there are some females that i that come to mind that we've even had on the podcast that do a really good job about kind of connecting both of those worlds but doing it in a way that's not so much like hey look at these right. it's more like i'm doing all this stuff but remember i am a female too so you know here i am if you you're know? doing this to make you authentic and give your readers what they want or their followers um, then great, you know what, uh, but also be mindful that if you're looking to expand your uh, your your database of sponsorships and you know people you want to do business with, that could come back to haunt you. And um, at Magnaflow, we had a clause with a lot of our celebrities and ambassadors in this Magnaflow. Uh, there were rules of things that they could and could not uh, post. Uh, they could not treat the company in a certain way and give us a bad reputation. Otherwise, they were cut. So. Uh, just be mindful of what you're going to post and how that's going to There, there are a lot of companies that have very traditional values. And I feel yep. like on the sex aspect of things, when it comes to, you know, body and like showing certain, even if it's a bikini, sometimes I, I do think that, you know, there's a huge turnoff with, with some companies when, when that type of content is found, right? Oh my God. Let me tell you a story at Magnaflow. Um, we had, um, back in the day when we used to print uh, catalogs with actual like application information, we used to put pictures of the vehicles and one of the models at the time, uh, Miss Magnaflow was in a bikini uh, and she was you know, sitting down uh, or she was leaning against the vehicle. That's what it was. And uh, one of our um, distributors in Utah specifically would not utilize our catalog because of that image. Really? And I just thought, oh my goodness, like, what do you do when you go to the beach? <laughs> they walk around people... like this? They, they walk around like that? I don't know, that's crazy. Um, but there are people out there that have strong beliefs and they don't want to see that in a uh, automotive catalog, uh, catalog, and that's okay. No, I agree. That's, uh, that's something that's, it's not for everybody, but at, at the end of the day, it's kind of like to each their own and you kind of have to adapt and roll with the punches and kind of yeah. get, in, get in where you fit in, right? Get in where you fit in. I like that. So, you know, I guess maybe speaking of those, what was your what was your worst instance where it was just oh. being a female? Like, like, tell us about it. Like, what was something that you just like, you lost your shit? Because <laughs> I've, I've seen you be that I'm putting my foot down. It's time to stop fucking around type of mentality. So, I mean, I would love to hear a story from you 
in regards to this. You don't. You don't have to mention names. You don't have to mention companies. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've had a couple. Listen, uh, I've had a couple when I was just walking uh, an event um, where people uh, asked me to pose by a car that wasn't my car. I didn't know that person. I wasn't dressed in a way that would make me give the impression of model. Um, so I've had that situation. Uh, I've worked a show where I've had men come up and ask for an engineer or someone that knew about the product. And I would reply, how can I help you? And um, they would say, no, I'm looking for, you know, someone that, you know, has a background on the product. And I would say, how can I help you again? And then they would walk over to a male and um, I actually had this happen to me. And the, the guy that I worked with, he was so sweet. Um, he, the guy went up to him and said, hey, I need to, uh, I have some questions about your product line. And he said, oh, I don't know anything. I just drive the truck. You're going to have to go talk to her. And it was so sweet of him to do that because um, he did know about the product line. But he was making a point, And uh, the guy actually walked away. So I was actually sad about that because uh, it was an opportunity for us to sell the product. Right. But I've also had scenarios with other people in the industry, other manufacturers who have taken advantage of the fact that I was female and have made comments and have uh, made actions that were super inappropriate. Made you uh, feel a little used, right? Like, did it just because you were a female? Like, I mean, it, it's got to be tough to have. I mean, a you walk around, you look different because you're a female, and sure. and if you got if you're in a space where it's a bunch of dudes in an office, and you know you're the one in there. I worked in the oil fields for 13 years, and I mean, it's weird because you, occasionally there's a female that tries her hand at the oil field. Some of them succeed, some of them don't. But regardless of who she is, what she looks like, or whatever, it just doesn't stop some of these dudes from being like. Hey, baby, like, oh, I'd do this. And I, I'm like, yeah. dude, would you, if that was your fucking sister, would you want dudes to be saying that? Like, if that was your mom, would you, like, right. like, wh what gives you that mentality to think, like, that that's okay to catcall this broad or to say you do this or do that? Like, I mean, do you do that about the dudes that you work with? Because that's, I mean, come on, let's be real. It's, that's not right, you know? Yeah, you know what? One thing I've always learned is keep your cool. Um, you don't need to, um, tell off everybody you meet. Um, it's okay to uh, know that there's people out there. You're not going to change their minds in one little conversation. So right. um, I kind of laugh it off. Um, I like to um, uh, think about that scenario and how I could have, you know, made it better or turned them in a different way, but you're not going to do that in every situation. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. There's, there's people out there. You're just not going to convince that you're worthy of, of that information or that conversation. But I've had a lot of situations like that. And um, actually, I was at a show where um, <laughs> this was, uh, I'm going to date myself, Hot Import Nights. And I was in Miami, Florida, and I had my, uh, my Honda Civic that I was in the show. And I walked away, and I came back, and um, someone is sitting in my car, and he's got his hand on the shifter, and he's just running through the gears. Uh. And I'm just like, <gasps> what is this guy doing? So I gently walk over to him. And I lean on the door panel and I said, hey, is this your car? Because it's beautiful. And the guy goes, nope, not my car. And I yelled, get that out of my yeah. car. And he yeah. was just like, he was startled. And then he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, listen, you don't do that to anybody's car. You don't just sit in someone's car and just start running through the gears thinking it's okay. This is not, you know. Been there, done that. I mean. Shit, have you this been to SEMA? everybody, right? How many cars have I had at SEMA? And I'm like, I walk up to him and you got guys cranking on spikes or something. And I'm like, hey, bro, uh, is that your car? No. <laughs> then why the fuck are you touching it? You know what There's I mean? Like, what? Me, like, 
some kind of edit kit that needs to be posted at a car show. When, before you walk in, these are the rules that you need to follow. You would assume it's like an unspoken, <laughs> unwritten rule that they would just know, but uh, it has never stopped them from trying to open the door and climb inside of a truck or this. Oh. I mean, I get it. Everybody's like excited about what it is and what's done and all these other things. But at the end of the day, you have to have some damn respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what the hell? So, okay. So kind of getting off of that topic, because I feel like we can talk about that <laughs> ever. Um, you know, the marketing side, like what, what kind, kind of things inspire you? Are there, is there any products out there that you're kind of like more passionate about than others? Or is there something that you, you think is going to be a trend? That's something that I want to know. Like what, what do you see being trendy? Cause right now I know that you are a member of Four Wheel Parts. You um, are really big into that. And I think that it's kind of good timing because it's really hot right now to have all the off-road stuff. And wow. you guys cater to the Overland and the Pre-Runner and, and just a lifted category. So all the off-road stuff that you guys do is kind of really on par with what today's market is, right? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, um, I started Four Wheel Parts uh, March of last year, so 2020, and a week later, the pandemic hit. And um, trust me, I know. <laughs> I have been um, so I've been a, a supplier uh, to Floral Parts for many, many years. And because Floral Parts is right down the street from my house, I would go up there. What felt like every other month with meetings to talk to their buyers, their category teams, their marketing teams. And um, one of the things uh, that I learned about was uh, how Floral Parts intimately works. And when the pandemic hit, it was so funny. I literally started five days. And uh, they said, okay, we're going to send everybody home, take your laptops home, and um, everybody's got each other's cell phone numbers, right? And we'll communicate that way. And I was like, uh, no, I don't have everybody's cell phone like, numbers. I'm new. I don't know what to do. And um, we were nervous. Like, we were just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? We've got 95 stores across the country. Do we have to close them? Do we keep them open? The regulations by state, by county, um, you know, they all changed overnight and day to day. And one of the things that I kept watching was uh, the social distancing, right? It was uh, social distance from each other. And for a part, we all had this uh, light bulb go off and go, wait a minute, social distancing, go off road, take your, uh, you know, get, get out of your house, um, go off road, you know, get away from your neighbors, take your family and enjoy these moments. Cause we didn't know how long that was going to last. Like here, buy a tent, go off on a trail somewhere and hang out by yourself. Yeah. Totally. We've got great brands like Smitty Belt. They've got these, uh, you know, 270 awnings. We've got tents. We've got all, all these things that people just went, yes. And we saw this huge spike in sales. Uh, people that were uh, buying online, still picking up in store. Uh, people that are getting it shipped direct. Uh, there was a, a big increase in installations. People doing maintenance on their vehicles because they didn't know when they were going to get back on the road. Floral Parts offered this uh, first responders um, a free uh, 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 tire rotations, uh, uh, alignment uh, to all those people that needed to make sure their cars were still ready to go on the road. And what was so cool about Floral Parts is the pivot. It was so quick. It was so fast. We had to make these changes and, um, you know, switch our messaging to our consumers uh, overnight. And that's something people plan months and weeks for. When you know people, it helps. And when you can act, you know, decisively and, and I guess confidently, that's going to yeah. help too. So, I mean, I definitely saw Four Wheel Parts, you know, really fast see that. And they're like, okay, influencers, 
marketing, switching gears, social distance, you know, you could still do it. It's just now, you know, you could do it in peace and quiet with yourself or with your family. And, you know, there's still the needs. So, I mean, what do you see something as like, like trending or is there any kind of brands that you kind of are like, oh my God, I, I really want in on that or I want to be a part of that or I want, I want to be like that emulating. So is there anything like that that you're just like, I, I want that, I need that, I wish? You know, uh, one of the things that I love is um, I have a subscription to Ad Age, and a lot of people might not know what that is, but it's basically the uh, online advertising um, uh, newsletter of what's happening in the world. It's, it tells me about what Coca-Cola is doing, about what Adidas is doing, um, what Sephora is doing. And being female, of course, I look at brands that are uh, that I'm directly buying from. But you know what impresses me is Nordstrom's. I think that they are so I, smart. I've been buying from them a lot lately because I've been seeing their ads on Facebook and shit. So, so yeah. it's working, right? They've got I feel you. Ads, they've got an app that's awesome. They have a, a loyalty and a rewards program. The more you buy, they give you these notes where it's basically gift cards to come back and spend money with them. Um, I like that they. Um, uh, they have you know, all these really great stores, but they have these private events where you can go um, uh, shop the stuff before the store opens or when the store closes. Um, I like that uh, they have these uh, specific messages to my email. We know you saw this. Here's a discount. Or by the way, come back, your... come back. We we know you put that in your your cart. Check and out. There, yeah. Also, the stuff that was on my wish list for Christmas. It's like, hey, this thing's dropped in price. Get it. And I'm like. Well, somebody doesn't buy it for it's me. It's crazy Christmas. about the cookies these days. Like you and I could be talking about something and now you're going to open your computer and in your email to the right of it, it's going to have data for Norton Rack. I guarantee you an ad's going to pop up. And it's just, it's crazy how that's working. So being able to capitalize on that kind of stuff, I think is you can emulate it. And then if you're good enough, you know, failure is not an option. So if, if you're good enough, you can kind of see it and then do it, right? Monkey see, monkey do, yeah. right? You know, and there's so many different brands out there that are using text campaigns. I mean, I'm sure your listeners have received something from like an Amazon or from Nike, whoever that has said, hey, uh, join our list and now you're going to get 20% off your next order. But they're starting to use texting and no longer email or uh, flyers in the mail. Like this is now texting, SMS communications, right? This is becoming huge. And I think in the next year, um, a lot of your listeners are going to see more and more of the advertising. So that's that. funny that you say that because back in the day, like I'm, I say back in the day, I mean just like two years ago, if you got text messages from like stores or manufacturers, you're like, what the fuck? How the hell did they get my number? <laughs> like delete, stop, opt out, get the freaking hell out of my phone. And now it's kind of like, ooh, sweet. They've got a deal at Heatwave for 20% off. I need to go buy me some some heat waves or you know what I mean? Oh like, my gosh, I just got an ad served. I was playing some game on my phone and Heatwave shows up as an ad. And I was like, how is it? How did they hey, know? Use Truck Guru 10 as your code and you get you get a discount. I mean, my my son, I don't know if you saw the photos that I posted, but my son, we bought him some of the heat weights for Christmas for the kids. And yes, those are so cool. Oh my God. He loves them. And he's, I got a new camera. So he was my model. I mean, and I sent him the heat wave and they're like, holy cow. I think Casey highlights posted them up and heat wave yeah. did and all these companies. And I'm just like, holy cow, dude. Like, so guys, if you're, if you're looking to, you know, make a splash and make some noise, be involved, be active. Uh, you know, it's all about finding what, is is a void and filling that void 
for these businesses. And if you can find a way to do that successfully, then I promise you, you're in. And I don't care, you know, what you, ah, it's not for me. It's this. Look, when I first built my first vehicle, it was with four wheel parts. I remember all the way back, my first truck, way back in the early 2000s. And um, I was so green. I was just like, man, and I got my four wheel parts, you know, then I got credit card or whatever. It was way back in the day before, you know, I was successful, if you could, you know, say that. But, um, I, you know, everybody starts it their own way, but it was four wheel parts. I went out there and I paid and I had all my stuff built and it was all pro comp and, and Smitty and all these other things. And it was crazy because, you know, I learned that oftentimes, unless you're going with a reputable agency, like, like what I provide for project management, things like that, it's very hard to kind of get in and understand the inner workings of what is partnership and sponsorship and all these other things. So um, you got to start with yourself and you got to bet on yourself. And sometimes that means opening up your own checkbook and your own wallet and and going out there and building and then taking that and acting as if you, you didn't pay for those things and, and promoting the ever loving shit out of them, giving the content and doing all the necessary things to ensure that they're going to see it and they might not see it right away, whatever, put it in front of them, go to shows, events, talk about it, join the forums, get on pages, send it to them on social media, the tags, all these things are big helps because guess what? You will never have enough content, right? Never. You are always thirsty for content, right? So at the end of the day, people, if you can provide a service, a content um, for these manufacturers, you're, you're in more than you know. And if you can be a repeat customer and a repeat client and be, continuously be in front of their face, you're probably going to be contacted by them like, hey, we love what you do. Like the like the Overland guy. You're like, dude. Yeah. And I'm sure now that dude, you know, you don't have any – if you get a new tent, guess who you want to call first? If you get, you know, an awning or a winch or this or that, like you want to call him be like, hey, do you went in on this? Four-wheel parts just came out with new tires. Do you went in on this? Four wheel parts just came out, brand new off road wheels. Do you want in on you? You won't even second guess calling him because he was there in front of you doing all the right things, right? Absolutely. And listen, I got a whole bunch of new product launches that are happening this year, and I'm looking for people. I need you to contact Chris because this is the time for me to find more people to place these products in authentic ways. Tell me your story, why you should get this product, and how you can help me sell more. That's end of the day that's what i'm looking so for. we've got something we've got something very 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 big planned and i know Catherine, you have a, a meeting here in the next few minutes or whatever but um i've got some time that i need to have with you not on this uh you know podcast <laughs> call but i need you to carve out you know 10 15 minutes for me so maybe uh after you're done with your meeting or whatever you can give me a buzz or whatever uh, i've got Absolutely. some some things i want to run by you because uh obviously it's hugely beneficial to you um, you know, I've been selected for, you know, a liaison for a, a position on something that I think that, um, will be not only instrumental for four wheel parts or just literally, if you're a company, a business, I don't care what you are, what you do, this is going to be a thing that works for everybody. So, um, very passionate about it. Like I am everything. And I'm sure you can attest to, because you've seen my passion. And I mean, you know, as well as I do, like, I didn't get to where I, you've watched me grow and I didn't get to where I am overnight. And now I'm a voice that you literally, if you need something, you know, Hey, I could, I could call Chris. I, 
I know that he knows somebody or he can get it done. Like, it's just for me being able to be at that position with businesses like yours, to me, that's the accolade that I love. And that's the respect that I love because I'm not into it for clout and who fucked who over and to grow my social media because of drama or this, that, and the other shit. I'm more of a, guess what? I have the respect of the the people that matter. And that to me is the manufacturers because they're the ones that make the world go around. And if I have their respect, ultimately I can pretty much do anything I need to do continuously going forward because they're going to call on me and I know that they trust in my services. So, um, you know, I've, I've built that reputation over the last 10 to 13 years with you guys. And I feel like, you know, I've, uh, I loved every minute of it. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot, but guess what guys, Catherine, myself, anybody that's in this, this space, you have to change, you have to adapt, you have to overcome and you have to learn. And if you don't learn, it's a failure. And uh, if you think it's a failure and you learn, it's it's not a failure. It's a lesson. So, um, you know, take it for what it is. At the end of the day, Catherine, do you have anything out there to, to tell anybody out there listening? Is there anything that you want to say? Any messages? Any hints on SEMA? Anything that you want to <laughs> want to mention? We'll circle back to that. Um, anything that you got to say? Anything you want to close with? Listen, I think what's really important is the aftermarket automotive industry is thriving right now. We don't care what happened with COVID. Uh, there's still tons of opportunities. There's still tons of manufacturers that want to give product out in authentic ways. And if you can reach out to Chris, he can connect you with those people. I think that the SEMA show is going to happen some, some way, somehow. I Listen, I'm on the board and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that this event happens. But I also want to close on, listen, if there's a dream you have, um, go for it and know what you want and know how to ask for it. And it'll come your way. I'm more of a, a goal setter than a dreamer because dreams are for people who think about something that they really can't achieve. And a goal is something that you try to uh, obtain. So, um, set goals, smash goals, make more goals. And that's how I like to live my life. But if you consider that the dream aspect to each their own, um, but at the end of the day, guys, um, Thank you for joining us, Catherine. It's been it's been an awesome uh, hour with you. This has been happy hour with one of the two banditos and my good friend Catherine from Four Wheel Parts and SEMA. And uh, yeah, thank you again. I appreciate it. Until next time, um, you know we'll talk soon and uh, enjoy everything. And good luck to you. And uh, stay safe. I guess that's all I can really say now. I mean, is you know hopefully you haven't gotten COVID and and hopefully everything works out and. You know, keep us posted with the whole SEMA thing with you going out there and the new wing and and all that thing. So, I mean, just I appreciate your time. Yeah, will do. Thanks for having me on, Chris. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate that.